Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. Heroes, this week we are playing Scotch and Soda, a piece of Gion Shim's new connected path game, The Shape of Shadows. If you haven't heard of Gion's connected path work before, I, I might butcher an explanation of it. Essentially, Gion has been designing solo play games that connect journaling, crafting, and physical artifacts to gameplay. They are also running these games as events where a whole community of people plays and experiences the game at the same time. And Gion has been using Kickstarter to make the connected path structure take the RPG world by storm. Gion is fresh off the cryptid-themed Field Guide to Memory and legacy-themed Gideon Blythe, with a theme that speaks very deeply to my soul because Shape of Shadows is about magic, both real arcane power and stage magic. Now, if you know anything about One Shot, you know that close-up magic is something close to my heart. So much so that I sneak it in as a meme, like, probably a couple times every year. Shape of Shadows takes connected path beyond the solo and journal play experience, including things like what you're about to hear in Scotch and Soda, which resemble traditional multiplayer tabletop role-playing games. This allows you to take your play experience in any direction you'd like, while providing depth for your solo play game. Now, I had the good fortune not only to play Scotch and Soda, but Gian guided me through character creation for Shape of Shadows itself. That's going to be going up on the One Shot Secret Archive later this month. Now, if any of this interests you, please check out the link in our show notes to the Kickstarter preview page for Shape of Shadows. Sign up to be informed as soon as that project launches. I know that Gian has put a ton of work into researching and writing this game, and I had so much fun playing the first little bit of it. I can't wait to see more, and to do that, we all gotta fund it. So once again, if you are interested, please check out that link and get ready for the launch of it, hopefully sometime this month. Though I think I quoted a launch date earlier, I'm pretty sure it got pushed back, so the best way to find out about launch is signing up for that link. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, heroes, let's meet our party for this week. First up, a, a voice that you haven't heard in a while, a a deep and soothing voice that uh, I, I believe everyone needs in their life, and, and that is Mr. Stephen Kropa. Hello. Stephen, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, bud. Yeah, bud. When was it last? It seems like forever you know you you kind of had a bit of a sneaky situation right. uh for for your last appearance because we did do the one about like borrowers and like we recorded that pretty recently but like you were actually on the last game of last year but we recorded that a full year before it aired right so you'd have every reason not to remember it even if we recorded last week i'll make the case that i wouldn't have remembered <laughs> You know, that is fair. Is there anything uh, that, before we get rolling, that you would like to plug? Hey, Bridgerton is pretty fun. They need the help. Yeah. And Dickinson on Apple TV Plus is also surprising. Uh, no, my, my Twitter. Just follow me on Twitter, at uh, Kropa Cabana, and I'll be posting things yeah. when and if I go there. Oh, I have a micro. I remembered I did some recordings, and they're like, didn't you write a game? I was like, yeah, I did write a game. I have a micro RPG called Please Make Sure the Bathroom is Presentable. Please. It's on itch, and it's linked on my t Twitter, and I think it's pay what you want. And so just, you know, I don't know, get it for free if you want. <laughs> 
everybody shower him with hundreds of dollars or that <laughs> steven i i want to know yes. uh what is your favorite magic trick that you've ever seen in your life i was saving this for mike reveal i hate magic so much i hate it so much it frustrates me to no end i is this a you can't know how it works thing it's one of those things where it's like you're i my attitude toward it is you're not better than me <laughs> It's, I know all you did was practice really hard and that's impressive, but like, come on, like, but don't be smug about it. Like, that's what my, like that show magic for humans the guys. Great. He's got a great face. He's really, really energetic and entertaining. And it's shot around my, like where I live. So I see places where he's filmed uh, and I hate it. I hate it so much. I get so angry. I watched, <laughs> I watched that uh, in and of itself made me cry, made me miss live theater also uh was like cool whatever you can shuffle great like get over yourself <laughs> so oh my god i can't stand it so steven you are you are like one of my go-to performers for games that i think can reach like a fun kind of artsy yeah. place but like i need i need a staple to like keep things light i had literally no idea that i was about to ask you to play a game about a subject that you despise i don't it's again it's it's not like I think I have respect for anybody in the arts, anybody doing anything creative. Me personally, I did a show, I did like a variety show, and somebody did a trick on me, not with me, but on me, gave me a deck of cards. I held a deck of cards in my hand. I put them between both my hands. It was a deck of cards, and when I opened it, it was a glass box, and I don't know how it happened, and I don't, and like <laughs> if I was a violent person, that person would have been, I don't know, talk to in the parking lot afterwards but instead i got to go grip my teeth and grind them down to nubs and go great that was fun that was fun for everybody <laughs> i i do i think the thought that i want to part on is that your idea of violence is a conversation with yeah someone, oh one thousand percent yes i'm a pacifist and humanist <laughs> well let's let's move on to you know what oddly enough Another very smooth voice that, again, I feel enriches everyone's life. And, and y'all haven't heard it for a long time. It's Alex Roberts. Hello. Yes, it is me. I'm here on the podcast again. It's so nice to be back. Alex, I I'm so glad to have you back. I want to know, first and foremost, is there anything that you would like to plug? Oh, yes. People should follow me on Patreon. I would love for people to check that out. I'm getting really into making smaller little games here and there. Sometimes those never leave my Patreon, and sometimes they end up as a fun little zine journaling game that I just made um, on Kickstarter that you can get on itch.io called Precious Little Animal. Uh, I'm very, very pleased with how it turned out. So I'm hoping to do more projects like that. So yeah, that's what people should do. That's my plug. I can heartily recommend Alex's Patreon as, as a patron. Any opportunity that you get to encounter Alex's game design is, is a good one, and you should take it. Alex, I have to ask you now, now that I know that there can be some pretty extreme reactions vis-a-vis -vis magic, what is your favorite magic trick that you have seen in your life? I would say my favorite, I don't really know, I don't really know it well enough to say like, oh, I like this particular trick. Mm -hmm. My favorite encounter with magic is actually a YouTube series that's called Magicians Doing Magic Tricks for Hockey Players. I feel like it might have been a, a CBC thing or, or something from the NHL, but it's just, if you can imagine people doing sleight of hand in front of these big 
barrel-chested jock Canadian dudes who are like 20. Mm -hmm. And they get so excited and so confused. It's like a, I don't know, they just turn into these great big like golden retrievers. Um, And I think like seeing magic really well-performed is a delight, but seeing magic well-performed to the absolute delighted bafflement of big hockey players is, um, that's a true, that's a pleasure. I mean, this this sounds very good to me. One of my favorite places on the internet is somehow on Reddit. It is animals reacting to magic. And it is just people doing sleight of hand tricks for like monkeys and dogs and whatnot. And some of them are pretty into it and some of them are very not. And it's it's a fun ride. Hockey players, you know, I, I can imagine that being very, very fun. I'm picturing the precious boys from Letterkenny and how much fun it would be to do a magic <laughs> trick for them. So, yes. Yes, yes. Letterkenny is a documentary, so that's worth setting you up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about Letterkenny later. Our final guest is actually the designer of the game that we are about to play. It is my dear friend, Gion Shim. Gion, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am super excited to have you here. For those who are subscribers to the OneShot Patreon, we have a bit of bonus content that was character creation for the game that this game is attached to. So you can listen to that. I had so much fun doing that character creation. So I am excited to delve deeper into the universe of this very cool interconnected game concept. Gian, before we dive into things, I, I want to know, do you have anything that you would like to plug to our audience right now? Um, Sure. I also have a Patreon. It's actually my primary regular income. I am now a full-time game designer, and most of the games I make are on Patreon only. And they're all weird experimental games, and I'm very fond of them. And it is under my full name, which I highly recommend looking up in the show notes, you will not be able to spell it on your own, probably. So there's that. And then the game that this is connected to is The Shape of Shadows, which is a game I will be kickstarting late April. The exact date is the 20th of April. And that was not on purpose. It was just the third Tuesday in April. But it's memorable. But it is nice. Yeah, it's nice. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Uh so, Gian, before we get started, I, I would like to know, especially because you have done a pretty deep dive on magic and magicians, what is your favorite magic trick that you've seen? Or perhaps a better question based on the reactions that, that I got from the other two is, what is a piece of magic that you've witnessed that has affected you the most in your life? Well, you know, when you asked that question, I did remember that the very first magic trick I ever saw was when I was a kid and it was at a Mm -hmm. birthday party. And it is a trick that I believe is called Bill in a Lemon. And it's basically a piece of paper or a card or something that the either a plant or just a genuine random audience member writes or draws something on. And then the magician hides it and produces it from inside a piece of fruit, a lemon, an orange, an apple. It's very impressive. I was five years old and I drew a squid on a playing card and then the magician pulled it out of an orange and according I have no memory of this according to my mother I got so excited that I violently bit the orange screamed and then violently bit the magician and I was not allowed to go to birthday parties that were uh, hosted by that company anymore 
you know, I feel like we've all been there. I totally approve we've of all your been reaction. There. Yeah, That's yeah, great. yeah. But an enthusiastic one, unlike Steven, who maybe would have done that out of rage. So no, I would know. have looked at it and gone and sulked and been like, I don't get it, and I know I'm not gonna get it because I'm not gonna put the hours into it. <laughs> Uh, that describes that describes my experience of, of so many different talents and hobbies. But before before we go too far down that rabbit hole, I would like Gian to pull a rabbit out of a hat and show us this game. Yeah, I tried to transition for the first that was time. Real it was sweaty. Bad. That was great. <laughs> I'm so glad that you tried. <laughs> Every learning curve has to start somewhere, and mm-hmm. that's good. It's step one. Yeah, I will introduce this game. It's called Scotch and Soda, which is the name of a classic magic trick. It is one of the appendix games that is attached to the Shape of Shadows. So the Shape of Shadows is a lot like my solo connected path game field guide to memory, which I co-designed with Shigun Core. But Scotch and Soda is a group game where the game world that it takes place in is a solo experience. This is a classic tabletop RPG modeled after a lot of you know, just what I like best out of playing a game with multiple people at a table or a remote table in this case. It is right now has a GM and is for two to four players. For your listeners, this is in a in like literally the first ever playtest rough draft state of this game. So one of the things that I'm playtesting for is whether this game can be GM-less or whether it requires a facilitator, because that's something I'd like to establish early. So we're going to find out together, which is very cool. And I can, I forgot that I actually just wrote a game hook (laughs) for the game earlier. And I can just read that out, James, if that's helpful. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So this is the general premise for Scotch and Soda. You and your friends work for Dream Come True an entertainment-for-hire company that caters to children's birthday parties, corporate mingles, trendy tech company launches, and other small purgatories. You dress up in elaborate, lovingly homemade costumes as fairies, pirates, mermaids, whatever the occasion demands of you. And as you perform magic tricks and make small talk in character, you try to convince the clients who hired you that you are worth their attention, kindness, maybe a good tip if you are lucky. Tonight, you're going to the real deal, the witching hour, a secretive invitation-only club for high-caliber magicians who are rumored to have real powers. And, entirely by accident, one of you has acquired real powers, too. So that is where the game starts off. The first scene is going to be in the car ride to the witching hour. But before we get there, I'd like to go over uh, safety. There's going to be a character creation portion, and there's also going to be, I guess, what could be called a world-building portion, just a little background information on the relationships between your three characters. Cool. So just general expectations for this playtest, and these are the safety rules that will likely make it to the final version of this game. There is an open door policy. If something happens at the table in the story or otherwise that you're just not really about, I am outright stealing a safety mechanic from a game called Fiasco by Jason Morningstar, which is called Let's Not. And essentially just that phrase when invoked at the table means we're going to check in and just like rewind and do something else. So let's say we have a scene and a rabbit's pulled out of a hat and I was violently attacked by a rabbit when I was a child or something. And I'm like, hey, let's not. Could it be a dove instead? And it'll be like, great, it's a dove. And then you just move on. Simple, direct communication, which relates to sort of the underpinning guideline and expectation of behavior, which is just common sense and good faith. 
by virtue of sitting down to this table together, we are all going to expect of each other that we're communicating and playing in good faith, that we are going to assume good intentions of each other, that even if mistakes are made, that we understand that they are not done maliciously. And any conversation that we have about it will be done out of that spirit. How does that sound to everybody? Good. Sounds good. Awesome. So the specs for Scotch and Soda are that (laughs) it is two to four players, undetermined amount of time for introductions, undetermined amount of time for character and setup for the first scene. That being said, there is a timer that gets started once you arrive at the witching hour. So the witching hour is modeled after a couple of real life locations. And for our purposes, if you've never been there, but maybe have heard of it, I I want you to imagine it kind of like Hearst Castle, which is this giant, like unbelievably giant mansion and estate in California that was owned by William Hearst, who was a newspaper magnate. It's basically like a small town. And within that giant house that is a small town are several like secret wings and tunnels, weird rooms, which I think is a great setup for a weird secret society of magicians. And that's where you are on your way to. Once the scene that starts off the game ends, a timer will start and I'll just have it silently going either on my phone or an app on my computer, counting down from an hour. So however many scenes you get in, it's once that scene starts, gameplay is just going to be an hour and then you have one final scene. My hope is that that will keep gameplay to under two hours total, but we'll see. Once the timer goes off, there is that final scene. The game overall, while GM'd, is cooperative and collaborative. So even when your characters might be at odds with each other, we're here to play together to tell one cohesive story. As the GM, that also includes me. I prefer to just personally GM games in a really collaborative way, partially because I have a hard time remembering the rules to a lot of systems. And so I really lean on my players to remind me. That also means if they're like, I fudged a roll and or like I rolled in it felt bad it's like i don't care like we can fudge it doesn't matter that collaboration also means like deciding what's good for you and what feels good for you this game does require moderate to advanced improv or role-playing skills i'm going to try to find a more like accessible way to phrase that in the text because i think it can sound kind of intimidating but you know because it is a very character-driven story-driven game this is not like pandemic legacy or something where you know you can sit down and almost play it like a board game it does require a lot of characterization and storytelling skills and any questions about the general specs of the game i think uh well good awesome yeah good it says it can be played remotely yeah so we're all playing over zoom right now (laughs) okay i guess i guess you got me (laughs) uh do you need any uh dice die this is a dieless game. You do All not right. need dice. Yeah. Yeah. Scrap paper? Um, if you find it helpful, some people tend to do better if they don't have to write things down. Some people need the physical notes. I tend to waffle between the two, so you are absolutely I like that you got the rustle of the notebook oh, yeah, in there. Tracy, that was put really in like good. Five minutes of rustle. Yeah, uh, that was good. That's good. Please, thank you. Let the listeners know that was not a Foley effect. Like I can literally see Steven's <laughs> yeah. notebook. It's really nice. <laughs> All right, so are we ready to move on to character creation and setup? I think so, yeah. Yes. All right. So once again, you're a group of friends who all work for the same party entertainment company, Dream Come True. Your job is to make and dress up in elaborate costumes and act and stay in character to entertain whoever hired you for the entirety of their engagement. 
Occasionally you do group performances or stage shows to garner more client engagements for the future. Your networking has to be very subtle. You can't be obvious that you're trying to get more contacts. And at the same time, without those contacts, you will not be able to make money at this job. Mm-hmm. As players, together, you are telling the story of your shared, strained current circumstances and your attempts at trying to make your first big break as a performance group together. We're going to scroll down to make your characters, which I'm going to highlight right here. So there is a set of questions that maybe we can round robin, answer them like turn by turn. Mm-hmm. And uh, just for listeners, I'll, I'll run through the really basic ones first. There's names, pronouns, um, your age, which is 18 and up, which I decided because any gig economy job requires you to be 18 or older. And then there's a bunch of kind of more uh, on a scale of one to 10 questions that we'll get to. Oh, and physical description. So let's get through those first four prompts together really quick. My name can be Daisy, which I brilliantly came up with because I have daffodils on my desk. And I was like, daffodil. Wait, that's not a name that people have. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it could also be named Water Bottle. Yeah, my character's named Daisy. Um, she uses she, her pronouns. Uh, she's 23. And uh, I don't know. I never think about how my characters look. Physical description. Maybe just like extremely average looking. Like just a real, a real forgettable face. Yeah, for Daisy. That's what I'm picturing. I think my name will be Josh and... God, what is a good last name? I'm so bad at names, and this name generator did not help me at all. Please tell me that Josh came from a name generator. (laughs) No, Josh is the first name that sprung into my head. Uh, uh, (laughs) You know, Jesus is always with me, sometimes in the form of names that spring into my head. We're going to go with Josh... Josephson. Josh Josephson. How dare you, but thank you. (laughs) JJ for sure. Yeah, he definitely goes by JJ. He is going to be 22 years old. JJ is, I'm going to say, 6'2". He is extremely fit. Uh, He spends most of his time at the gym, and it really shows. He's got very long hair, kind of a vacant sort of face, but, you know, just a good, bright Hollywood smile. And what pronouns does Josh use? Josh uh, will be he, him. Uh, and I am Pennsylvania Teller. <laughs> I like that. Pen for short. Mm-hmm. So I'm Pen mm-hmm. Teller. Well, I like it less now. Hold for laughter. <laughs> and there we go. He, him, 20 years old. He is, I would say, of average height. So maybe a little bit below average. So we'll say like five, six maybe five five it says he's five six he's got long red hair that he keeps in a ponytail and the wisp of a chin half of a goatee so just the chin part uh, i don't know what that would be called chin guard maybe it's called a chin guard uh red uh wisp of a chin guard on his uh chin there <laughs> Uh, he wears, he cuts all his t-shirts into sleeveless tees, but is very prompt for work and arrives on time and takes uh, the job very, very seriously. So he works hard and plays hard, and he often says that unironically. <laughs> That's good. I feel like that tells me everything I need to know about. Yeah, I, now I want to say, yeah, Daisy always says teamwork makes the dream work. Oh, that's Half good. ironically. <laughs> nice. Does Josh have a 
catchphrase. Uh, yeah. And... Josh strives to live every day of his life as a 10 out of 10 for sure. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I want to hire Josh in a major way. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, I've got good news because I'm very excited to work at your company. <laughs> uh, Pennsylvania was transferred from Dreams Come to the side business. Got bumped up uh, to Dreams Come to <laughs> Uh, he worked his way up. He's getting too big for his britches. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I feel like some insight into the into the backstage nature of this company is that the founder really tried to trademark the phrase dreams comes true and, and failed, but still puts the trademark on all of his ad copy. <laughs> Probably good mm, for, that's for evocative. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So let's move on to the kind of one to 10 questions. So on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being awesome, and that's true for all of these, how do you feel about working children's birthday parties? Eight, definitely. Uh, Josh trying to live every day of his life is 10 out of 10. Feels 10 out of 10 working with kids. And Pennsylvania is a little less than enthused about kids' birthday parties. He He's like really serious about the art of it. So he likes to go to like, gets invited when they go to like unironic, like older, like quinceañeras and stuff. Uh, so for kids' parties, I'm going to say he's uh, a little sour. I mean, maybe like a six. All right. On a scale of one to ten, how do you feel about working corporate mixers? I think more like a seven. Um, I, I think JJ, you know, again, tries to live every day of his life like it's going to be a ten out of ten, which is why he gives a one to corporate mixers. And it's because the people don't really want to be there. And they also don't really want him to be there either, it feels like. So they're not into it, so he's not into them. Perfect, perfect, because Pennsylvania loves corporate mixers. <laughs> 10 out of 10. This is He doesn't have an internship. This is how he starts networking for himself. He'll cut his ponytail if he has to to work here. Nice. All right, two more of these on a scale of 1 to 10. How do you feel about working private adult parties? Zero very bad and i feel like it's just an excuse for people to be mean or possibly gross to daisy yeah and like not even that it's terrible every single time just you know when something's been terrible enough times that uh it's difficult and daisy's a very enthusiastic person but it's very difficult for her to summon enthusiasm um when it's a private party with grown-ups i think in light of that i'm gonna back it down to a seven out of ten and I think at the private adult engagements, there are people there who are into whatever shtick they have to do, which is energy that JJ feeds on. But if like Daisy is coming away from these upset, he can't give it a 10 out of 10 in good conscience. Wow. That's the most supportive thing that Josh can do. That's beautiful. Yeah. Pennsylvania, there's going to be two scores for this, how Pennsylvania feels about them and how the adult private adult parties feel about Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has a great time like nine out of ten like it's like you know getting invited to someone's house it's great any party he's ever been a uh, private adult party he's worked uh they g- have given him a two out of ten and that's just the attitude so those never the twain shall meet nice and overall on a scale of one to ten how do you feel about your job at dreams come true i feel like seven out of ten i think daisy's kind of into it not like this is going to be my forever thing but she likes the variety. She likes meeting people, really likes the kids. And like, it's better than waitressing, you know, it's probably her standard answer. Yeah. 
Definitely JJ is going to give this a 10 out of 10. He, like, at, at many birthday parties, like, uh, kids will look at him like he's got the coolest job in the world because he's a pirate or, like, an astronaut or whatever the theme happens to be. And he would agree. He gets to be all those things for a short period of time. And a lot of the venues that he goes to, everybody's happy about it, except for corporate events, which nobody's happy about. And that's fine. Earnestly, this is more like an internship, more like a real-world experience for Pennsylvania. I'm going to give it a solid, down the middle, 5 out of 10. Just looking to like use this opportunity to kind of first step into the larger world. Uh, he's still got two years left of school. Let, let's, let's have a plan for when we graduate, you know? Nice. Okay. This is, I think, the last individual question before we get into group questions i might be wrong because this is a quite a quite a hot dish of a doc what is your favorite homemade costume for dreams come true describe it in one or two sentences so literally any past occasion this is the costume that is still in your closet and you like every now and then just lint brush it even if it hasn't been called upon in a long time that kind of thing Hey heroes, it's James, your game master, uh, recently recovered from getting the COVID-19 vaccine shot too, which I am very excited about and I just wanted to take a quick moment in the show to recommend to recommend that everyone look for a way to get the vaccine in their area. If you are physically able to receive the vaccine, you absolutely should, not only for your safety, but for the safety of everyone around you. As always, heroes, a huge thank you to our backers on Patreon. Everyone who supports us there helps make this show as amazing as it is. This month, we've got some really special treats for you because we have the character creation for Shape of Shadows going up soon. And tomorrow, an extremely special treat as we're putting up the first part of a mini-series we recorded with the crew of Skyjack's Courier's Call and Patrick Rothfuss about the Courier Kids meeting Jolly Jack. All that and more is up on our Patreon feed over at patreon.com slash one-shot podcast. Signing up at the $5 level or more gets you access to all of that rad audio bonus content. A huge thank you to everyone who backs us already and everyone who's going to back us in the future. With all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. that's definitely a homemade mermaid outfit that has the full-on tail and also has a particular makeup look that she does with it to have this sort of shimmery scaly look and it got such a wonderful reaction at this kid's birthday party and all the like little eight-year-old girls were like I want to be a mermaid and Daisy's like yes I also want to be a mermaid and lounge in the sea with my mermaid friends um, so it's just a little bit of wish fulfillment for her. For one of the birthday parties that we did, the kid wanted a Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Tooth Fairy movie theme to the party, 
is an incredibly specific theme, but Josh, you know, watches uh, Dwayne's Instagram to get like, you know, workout inspiration and whatnot. And he had the body type to be like the Dwayne stand in. So he was very honored to do it. And he worked a full week on this costume. It's more enthusiasm than skill, but you know, it still turned out pretty great. And he's hoping that another child will have that exact theme again. Yeah, hope springs eternal. <laughs> I'm rooting for you, Josh. <laughs> How about uh, Pennsylvania? Yeah, Pennsylvania's favorite costume is a Sir Metropolitan costume, which is the off-brand Mr. Met that a kid <laughs> couldn't have made. They wanted Mr. Met there, but obviously couldn't get licensed, so they made a knight version of Mr. Met. <laughs> Named Sir Metropolitan. <laughs> what was the response to that? I have to know. Uh, the dads were into it. Like, they loved it. The kids mm. were like, hey, it's the thing with a big head. Uh, the kids whose birthday party it was was not a fan, and I think he likes the Phillies now. Oh, bummer. Mm. Tearing family's part. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. So. All of you have a shared goal as part of working together for dreams come true. Maybe you're trying to impress the client of the day. Maybe you're trying to steal something you've heard is at the site. Maybe you're just trying to get through the night together, decide on what your shared goal is and write it down somewhere you can all see it. In this case, I'll just type it into the doc for us all. So where I'm at with JJ is that he thinks that Pennsylvania is the smartest person he's ever met. So if Pennsylvania has a play, JJ will fully back it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this makes perfect sense. Okay. I like the idea of maybe there's like, there's another client that we're trying to get, wait, sorry, we're, are we going, we're not, are we working a party tonight or that Mm -hmm. is the background? Uh, Yeah, you're working party tonight. I like the idea that we're pursuing a particular client. Mm -hmm. Like there's like there's the client who's hired us tonight, but then there's someone who's here who either like is, I don't know, like, you know, her twin boys are about to turn 13 and it's like, damn, if we get that bar mitzvah, you know, double bar mitzvah. It's going to be, it's going to be the talk of the town. Like it's going to be huge. Or if there's like a corporate client, like there's a CEO of some really I don't know, big company or something like that. Yeah. Would we say we all met at school? Did we all meet here? Or did we like all go to the same school? Or because it's like if we're all in the same town, maybe it's like, yeah, if we get the wife of the mayor to get us, book us for the next gig, then the mayor will like let us be on the float of the parade. And then when we're <laughs> on the float of the parade for like the Founders Day, we're all dressed up by the the triplets that founded our hometown obviously what one of the <laughs> things that that is really appealing to me about this world that you've concocted for us yeah. Stephen, is that yeah. it's got a pretty small town feel to the goal and this small town happens to host this wild magic society yeah. with <laughs> a sprawling mansion compound well where else would you you wouldn't expect it to be there exactly so it would be there it's true hidden in seclusion yeah. I really like the idea that indeed the mayor and his wife will be at this party and we do want them as a client and just Penn believes that this is because we will end up on the float. Like, oh. or, you know, like you have this, you have this conclusion about where that will lead. I just, I'm just aware that it would be good for us to, to just have them as clients. Yes. 
I don't know. Can, yeah, can we? Can I like that idea of both? yeah. Penn is like, you're like, yeah, we'll get this great gig. We'll make a lot of money, and I go, and we'll get yeah. to go. We'll get to sit in a convertible with the top down on the back of the seats. Like that's pretty cool. Too. Right, and I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> we get to wave like this, not like this, but like this. That's oh, visibility. That's how you <laughs> climb that corporate ladder. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, Penn believes it, and Josh believes it because Penn believes it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, close enough. This is, yeah, that's All fine, right. actually. Uh, I think if we want to add like a little heisty thing into it, maybe slipping, we one of us is going to try to slip a coupon into the mayor's suit coat pocket. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. To like be like, if you are the first caller after this performance, you get. Yeah, yeah. So use so, this referral code. Right. Something. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, really I guess good. the o- the only request that I have sort of again based on the little universe that we're establishing here is I would like this to be taking place in Los Angeles, Indiana <laughs> and that's that's an act of misdirection is they built this big castle in Los Angeles, Indiana that's the whole joke of it City of Starfish in you know the the midwestern uh, in the aquarium midwest, yeah, the yeah, midwest, yeah 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 <laughs> the renowned midwestern aquarium in los angeles indiana well the magicians once they moved this gigantic mansion compound in there they had a pretty strong lobby on the local government to make the starfish the official bird of los angeles indiana so cuz one of the famous magicians moves is like to make a, a whale appear out of nowhere and where are they going to store that whale is that the signature move of your local magicians is manifesting a whale out of thin air <laughs> yeah. and then building an aquarium to house that whale? Yeah, he did it on accident. And so now we oh. had to build the aquarium after the fact. So that was like a one and done kind of thing, except one, yes, the done yes, involved yes. like creating a whole institution. He, he retired that, after uh, that and now just mm-hmm. runs the aquarium. I, I like the idea of this as a piece of fiction, though. Like, that, like oh, everyone knows that his big move is summoning a whale. Have you ever seen him do it? Well, no. But, like, why else would we right, have this aquarium exactly. in Indiana? Uh, like, mm-hmm. obviously. I, I kind of yeah. like the idea that maybe this happened a while ago, mm-hmm. and this is like the a, a Houdini-esque figure where, you know, mm. magicians, like, legendary. He's from this town. His signature act at every show was summoning a whale. And everybody goes, the logistics of that are just impossible. Yeah. Yet right. that's every review said he summoned a whale. and. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's this aquarium that is very whale heavy. Oh, it's home of the whale centric aquarium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. But for some reason, the state bird is the starfish, not the whale. Yes. Well, okay. so it can be the city of starfish. Right. Oh, got it. Got okay. it. Nice, nice. Well, that leads us right into uh, as a group deciding the foundational tone in which you have player interest. So this is an experiment, basically. Ooh. The the question I'm trying to ask is if players decide ahead of time, like. If you were, you know, browsing Netflix genres, like what genre would this game fit into? Does that cohere what could otherwise be really loose improvisational play and actually make it more accessible for people who are maybe a little less experienced with role playing in this way, but still like really want to give it a try. So what I have down here is like comedy or farce, heist, if chosen, decide what you're trying to steal, horror, romance, drama, melodrama, and other because those are the only ones I could think of off the top of my head. And you can choose more than one, but I would limit it to like maybe two 
I feel like comedy is sort of unavoidable, yeah. um, just given what we've established so far. I don't know if anybody wants to put any other spin on that, but it seems like it's, yeah, farce for us. Yeah, comedy farce, maybe a little heist in there. Uh, okay. Basically, Now You See Me 3 is what I'm thinking. I mean, if there's a third one, I feel like heist maybe is off as a genre because it's more of like an action so I might actually just sure. change that to like action or something like that. But if there's a third category that you think applies. If we want to add a little spice in there, what if kind of like very in the background, there's horror, just like the real magic element of this, like I think is kind of scary. And I like, you know, we've got this general comedy farce. There are these sweet young kids trying to make their dreams of being on a float come true. And there's real magic also in the world. And that's kind of unsettling. I like that a lot. And yeah. I think um, we're already kind of playing with like fiction and belief and reality. So let's say that we're, it's definitely a comedy. It's already totally absurd. Mm -hmm. But let's, let, let's like open our hearts to horror. Like, if, yeah. if things go that way, let's be open to it in advance. Yeah. And just if that happens, we're all like in a place of, if everyone's agreed, like, yeah, I'm down with that happening. 1000%. Pennsylvania cuts the sleeves off his shirts. Of course he's into horror. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, of course. I love this. I'm realizing that this is also helpful for the, the GM because it kind of lets me know what tone I can take that will be like well-established and something you're all prepared to play. So that's cool. Good job past me. <laughs> all right. So these are interesting questions. While these are individual questions, you are deciding as a group what the answers are. So the performer job requirements of dreams come true entail strong skills and character acting, child behavioral management. There's a list here that we'll get into. All of you have these skills to varying levels. Take turns choosing who is the best and worst at each of these skills try to make sure they're evenly distributed. Right now there's six of them. I'm trying to winnow it down to four. So something to keep in mind as we play out the game, but there is character acting, child behavioral management, crowd management, corporate culture, customer service skills, and basic magic tricks. Hmm. And since there's three of you, I really like that deciding the best and worst of this will be like pretty evenly yeah. Uh, scattered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I gotta think that Pennsylvania is best at corporate culture, right? Like that too. I mean, mm -hmm. that seems very synergetic. That makes sense to me. You can talk the talk. I can see that. How do you feel about it, Pennsylvania? It feels great. It feels very. Uh, I'll say it again. Synergetic. <laughs> Who's the worst at it? JJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, JJ. for sure. Yeah, he's he's too earnest. Yeah. Don't wear open-toed shoes into a business lunch. <laughs> I only own open-toed right. shoes. Yeah, there's no Google in Los Angeles, Indiana. You're out of luck there. I also, I feel like JJ is the best at character acting. Hmm. Ooh, cool. That's the vibe. Again, really related to like enthusiasm and sincerity. Yeah, he gets very, very that into it, I feel like, and completely in like an impressive non-ego way yeah yeah pennsylvania do you think you or i are the worst at it i'm trying to think of which which is funnier oh. that is a tough call hmm. i think maybe daisy is the worst at it there yeah, might be like kind of like that because i feel like daisy's been like pigeonholed into a lot of like if this is our team you're getting a lot of the princesses and a lot of like a lot, <laughs> of, yeah, a lot of like yeah, similar think... things you have to like 
basically all you're doing is just saying the princess's name different like i'm elsa this time yep i'm you know so it's yeah not even yeah. like you're not I good think, at it you just don't have the opportunity to like stretch I, th- I think i think yeah daisy can basically do one character um and she really just needs to lean into the costuming like not really an actress yeah what that feels, is that the feels one right. character that daisy can do just out of curiosity because I have to imagine it's strong. Whatever the character is, it's strong and it shows up in all the other characters. Well, see, that's challenging because then I, as a player, have to be able to do that character. Ah, that's true. Yeah. So Canadian game designer <laughs> slash littlest hobo historian. I mean, I'm going to say as, as, a, as the founder and like employer of all of you, it would be a nightmare if you showed up as like a therapist in a mermaid costume. Like I that would actually, about... yeah, <laughs> like that would be so terrifying for me to contemplate as your employer. Yeah. 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 Daisy's either doing like kind of the best she can with the princess or mermaid of the day, or she's in therapist voice, really ready to hear about what you're talking about and kind of just here to, to bear witness to that and stay present with whatever you're feeling. I love the idea that maybe this comes out the most at like the birthday parties, but with the adults at the birthday parties. Oh my god! Mm. This is why she hates private yeah. adult parties. Mm-hmm. It's not a sexual harassment thing. It's always a like attacking me with your feelings thing. Mm-hmm. I've just had one too many, yeah, long conversations with people like, who are really in a place. Do you think she loves place. me anymore? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I feel really comfortable talking to you, Elsa. Yeah. Just like. <laughs> Maybe I'm the ice queen. But like, there's like a ice sculpture and you're like underneath it, like in your mermaid costume and you just made one sympathetic response too many and suddenly, that's this, how they get you, you know, yeah. this person in a suit is crying at you because <laughs> he hasn't talked to his mom in three years and you have to be on that ice sculpture just like, wow, I can see that this is you know, whatever response yeah. Daisy yeah. would give. That's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love this too. And this explains why Daisy like loves a kid's party. She's mm-hmm. not like super great with kids or whatever, but they're just like real with her, you know, and not gonna not gonna embroil her in this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what yeah, are you feeling? Is... I'm feeling excitement for seeing Elsa. Yeah. Uh great. why do you think that is? <laughs> I think I'm gonna get a second piece of cake. You can. What? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yes. Love it. Okay, that's perfect. It's good. In the doc, I put therapist in a mermaid costume. That, I that's did the, see that. The and I, I am perfect uh, shorthand for me to understand why uh, you're the worst at character acting. Uh, worst at child behavioral management is absolutely JJ because yes. he just gets them pumped up. Oh, I see. It is. It is a nonstop energy train. I was gonna say best, but that's that's interesting. It is also worst, I guess, in some ways. Yeah. It's great for the kids, horrible for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Too fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Can really mm-hmm. relate. Yeah. I, I, as a note, I put too fun is basically also a child. I have to yeah. say, after being like a program coordinator at an organization where summer camp was our cash cow for six years, I know exactly which summer staff member you are. <laughs> I, like, this is just such a strong archetype. And I have to say, bless you. And I wrote so many incident reports because of you. And, you know, that's just how it is. That's how it is. Yeah. As many a 
seasonal manager for a summer camp as well. I am right there with you with all those memories coming back. <laughs> so good. It's so good. Such nostalgia right now. Yeah. Oh, who's the best at child behavioral management? Is it Daisy? It seems like Daisy. Like we just said, I think we just answered our question. With yeah, there's yeah. part. Cool. I think the children are having a lot of emotional breakthroughs. <laughs> I will say also having had friends who worked for a company that this is pretty strongly based on, like there's just something about, especially if Daisy like goes to the nines with her makeup and like the jewelry mm-hmm. and everything, kids are just entranced by like a really stunning costume and you don't have to be great with kids. They are just, they will magnet themselves to you and like, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's so, you know, you could literally just be waving your tail and the kids will just be enraptured. Uh, in the same room not really moving a lot the whole time amazing which is what everybody wants kids to do be in one place in a predictable fashion (laughs) yes that's what everyone (laughs) is that what everyone wants that's that's well that explains a lot and is very sad um (laughs) what about customer Ooh, i want to know this a lot who's got the best customer service skills and the worst customer service skills here's the thing i I, I feel like the people who belong in this category are Pennsylvania and Daisy, but I could see an argument for either one of them in either position. I was thinking the exact yeah. same thing. Yeah. Tough call. Oh, man. I don't know what's funnier. I think <laughs> if we're doing it in uh, the pitch in I'm making now is in line with characters that the character stuff that we established already. So I would feel like Daisy would be the worst at customer service because it's just like, just like the minutia. It's not even interesting. It's like, I just want, can you be there at 11 o'clock? You know, like, just like, you know, you were five minutes late, like just really bad complaining stuff. And Pennsylvania is like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'd also do customer service for a living. So (laughs) I'm so sorry. I totally apologize for that. Uh, If you need any further assistance, I'm happy to give you my personal number. Call me at home. Here's my class schedule. And I'm available any hours outside of these. I love that that's how Pennsylvania thinks good customer service should be because again as your employer i would find that an absolute nightmare but yeah. i bet you get him. great Call reviews <laughs> but you're Gian, you are also picturing this from the position of somebody who would be a good employer this is a gig economy job. that's true that's yeah. true yeah. maybe this is something i tacitly encourage because i'm a terrible boss yeah. who knows yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 what about crowd management so this is this is both like if the kids are suddenly running everywhere and the parents are just like not helping you out or like the corporate mixer has an open bar and that's just that really explains everything about what could go wrong there i haven't uh, been the worst at anything yet i feel like pennsylvania is the worst at this he's just nice. like oh yeah mm-hmm. let's no let we have 50 more minutes of the show everyone just please can you listen i feel like jj could probably be the best at it yeah, yeah. jj can bust out a tiktok dance or a macarena like nobody's business and if the parents are trouble the macarena just does it if the kids are trouble you go to a tiktok dance problem solved yeah peace is restored people have asked if he does bachelorette parties and he's like yeah like on my side like i'll do that on the side (laughs) oh yeah are you do you have one are you inviting me i'll do one yeah nice i go to a lot of bachelorette parties i have a lot of close female friends i I can trust you if you want (laughs) No, I'm not going to do real mono voice. I almost did it. (laughs) Who's the best at magic tricks? Basic magic tricks. I don't know. This is so... 
any one of these people being good at magic tricks is honestly a huge surprise, and I love it. Oh, and one thing I should have put in here is it doesn't matter whether it's the person who's the best or the worst, but one of those people is the one who's discovered real magic. This episode of One Shot uses music from Phantoms. The track is Magic Lullaby Dream, used under license. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online, anywhere, at The Other Tracy. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with more Scotch and Soda, a selection from Shape of Shadows, next week. In the meantime, be sure to enjoy some of the other great gaming shows here on the One Shot Network. Like Asians Represent. Asians Represent celebrates Asian creators and diversity in the gaming community. Join hosts Agatha Chang and Daniel Kwan as they discuss gaming, genre, and representation with their guests and occasionally argue with each other about the sound of Agatha's beloved Airhorn app. As always, we end one shot with a call to As always, we end one shot with a call to action. And since we had a bit of a PSA in the middle of the show this week, I just want to remind everyone to call your representatives about an issue that you care about. Now, when I call my reps, I use a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number 5calls.org. There you can find issue summaries of issues affecting the country and your local area, along with contact information for your representatives and scripts to read while you're on the phone to help you get your message across. Calling doesn't take much time, and it's critical to have your voice heard on issues that you care about. Thanks, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.